This is good, isn't it? You people know how to have church. Amen. I, I have I have enjoyed my day. I usually go home uh, when I preach twice on Sunday, which I haven't done in a long time. On the morning, I go home take a nap, and I was so excited uh, about this morning. I couldn't even take a nap, and I'm I'm glad to be back. I. I uh, uh, you better listen quick. I don't know how long I'm going to last. Uh, but I have found the clock. Praise the Lord. I kept looking this morning. Uh, Proverbs chapter 27. Uh, don't turn there. Turn to John chapter 8, and I'll catch up with you. But I, I want to read you one verse from Proverbs chapter 27, and then I want to talk to you about the pri your spiritual priorities. Uh, you know, I, I told you this morning, you have priorities. You win people to Jesus, uh, and that's, uh, to me, that's the ultimate of priorities in the life that we live, uh, and I, I love the spirit that you have about seeing people saved. Uh, this morning, when, these, uh, when we introduced these two ladies that had come uh, through baptism, uh, boy, you responded, and you cheered them on, and, uh, and I could tell that's not the first time they've done that, and I, I praise the Lord for that, but... Uh, as we were on our way here, I told my wife, I said, uh, this, is, this is good for us. We, we've enjoyed being here with you. You've lifted us up. I came to preach to you, uh, but you've worshiped. And I have, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed the spirit of this great church. Uh, and I, uh, I love the Lord and the opportunity that I have. We all face uh, priority questions every day. Uh, one, one of the greatest priorities and challenges that I realize in our spiritual life is we've gotten so busy. It's like we don't have time uh, for the spiritual aspect of our life, and we've got to train up our mind now. One thing that I've learned to do, I read uh, the book of Acts every month. Uh, tomorrow morning I'll get up, uh, and, uh, and, and of course, uh, being retired now, uh, I have really the time. I can take my time and really enjoy it, but I'll read whatever day it is. That's the chapter I will read in the book of Acts. And you say, well, why do you do that? I love the Gospels, but I love it when those Gospels go into action. I love churches, but I love active churches that are in action. Amen? And, and, I, and, I, and I, like I said this morning, uh, man, you nod, you applaud, you cheer, cheer your pastor on, and that's healthy for the spirit of a church. Uh, and I praise the Lord for that. But in, as we think about our, our daily, uh, I, enjoy, uh, I enjoy my morning. And I believe that uh, I, I like to read the scripture, and from the scripture, I'm, in, I'm, inspired, I'm, I'm inspired to pray. And, and what I love, I, the inspiration of my prayer life came, it was early in my ministry. I went to a church in Oxford, Alabama. It's called Antioch Baptist Church. It's on, uh, uh, down on the McIntosh Road. It's in Talladega County, but it's not but about two miles from my house. And the wife and I had been in a, had been in a church, and the Lord began leading us. Uh, I, we had just gotten married. I was 20 years old, and the Lord was calling me into my ministry. Uh, and I didn't know what he wanted me to do. I just knew he was calling me, and I knew he had a plan. I didn't know what the plan was. Uh, 48 years, we still working on that plan. I'm still going when he's calling and still doing what he's asking me to do. But I went to this church and the first time I ever visited, at this time it was just a, a small little country church, uh, but I'd never been in anything like it. They, they were like you. They had church, but they worshiped and they, uh, they got out that, uh, that old red book and then they got out the blue book and I'd never seen so many songs books stuck in the back of the pew in all my life. They knew more songs. I'd never heard the songs. They, they broke out with victory and Jesus, well, I'd been in kind of a very, very traditional church, and they didn't know how 
I'll fly away and victory in Jesus and those old songs that I grew up on. But, but I enjoyed the song service and then uh, the man preached the building down. But at the end of the service, he called on this old gentleman to pray. His name was P.J. Waltrip. He called on him to pray. He at this time he was probably uh, probably close to his 80s, maybe 75 to 80 years old. He called on him to pray, and I'd never heard such a prayer in all my life. I mean, heaven came down, and I realized prayer was a priority in his life. Now I've already told you I've established a priority. Spiritual priority is critical, folks. We need it in our life. So so this old gentleman prayed, and I'm like, I was so impressed. Uh, that uh, the next day when I got off of work, I found this house. It was an old gray shingled house right at the foot of Cane Tuck Mountain. And I went over to the house. They had a fan sitting in the window, big old window fan and uh, a big old screen porch. And I went up and knocked on the door. And I said, where's Brother Waldrop? And the wife said, well, he's out there behind the barn. I said, well, he mind if I come out there and visit with him? She said, no, he'd love to see you. So I'm walking out toward the barn, and when I got uh, from here to probably the wall back there, I heard him. He was praying. I mean, he was, he was right at the foot of Cane Tuck Mountain. He was praying. And I thought, boy, that's unusual. Well, I went around the corner, and I looked, and there was a, there was a stack of rocks laying, laying right at the foot of that mountain. And this old gentleman would pick that rock up and, and he had a name on that rock and he would pray for that person and he would bring that rock over here and put it down. He'd go back and get another rock. He'd pick it up, whatever name was on it, he'd pick it up, he'd bring it over here to this rock pile, he'd lay it down. Well, I let him get through, but all over the side of that mountain, you could see where that old gentleman had moved that rock pile. So I, 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 after he got through praying, I went up to him and I said, Brother Walter, can I, get my, uh, can I get my name on one of those rocks? He said, absolutely. And he got me an old brush, an old paint bucket, and I, and I painted my name on that rock. And for the next seven years, many of them moved that rock pile together. Now, after he passed away, I, I went to his son and I said, uh, I said, can I have the rock pile? He said, absolutely. So I got the rock pile, took my staff, loaded up the rock pile, took it to my church, and I put it in, in different classrooms. A classroom would schedule the rock pile. Now I know you're saying, well, what does that do? Listen, we need priorities. We need priorities in our prayer life, amen? And so as this old gentleman had taught me to pray, I learned two things. Number one, we, our priority. Listen, this book teaches us how to pray. And it, amen? And then, and then through that prayer life, we become what we need to be in the Lord. Now, when, when I began looking at the priorities, I looked at the danger of putting off of the, the spiritual priorities in our life. And I think, I think they're an endangered species in our Christian lives today. Like I said, at my house, when we, when we go out, uh, I take my grandkids, they love to go out and eat. Of course, Poppy's always paying, and it gets, uh, my, my granddaughter has, has snuffed two meals out of us, and she just had one birthday, but we feeding her every day. But, but when, have you noticed when you go, here they are. You're at the table, you're paying for it, and they got that phone out, boy, and they just going crazy. Right, listen to me, parents, grandparents, let me tell you how to fix it. When you get there, make them put their phone in the middle of the table. And the first one that picks up that phone pays for the meal. I want to tell you something. When that phone lights up on that table, 
You're talking about panic mode. Oh, Poppy, that's my phone. I'm not grabbing it, but you're paying for the meal. Well, they're not going to. They ain't got a dime on them. But it's fun to watch the expression on their face. But we need spiritual priorities. Now, when you look at Proverbs chapter 27, one verse. And, and, and this, this is where I am. You know, I told you I'll be 70 uh, my next birthday. And, and uh, I don't know what the average lifespan now is. I figure it's 100. Uh, but I think it used to be 77. If, have they changed it to 88 or is it still 77? Does anybody know? Huh? 93. I'm going to go with 93. <laughs> The average life, well, so I've got, I've, I've, got, I've got over 13 more years left. And, you know, when, when we think about our life, boy, when you, when you hit a certain age, it's gone. And I was talking uh, with my brother uh, in the study a few minutes ago, and we're talking about how we used to look forward to birthdays. I don't care a thing about mine coming around anymore. I just soon it just passed me on by. But when you, when you see this verse, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Listen, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And I base my faith walk in Jesus Christ on that. And when you, when you see the reality, can you imagine a Saul of Tarsus? When, when he had gone in Jerusalem and he had gotten, he had gotten the, the papers to go to Damascus. And, and his priority, total priority was to persecute Christians. And he's on his way to Damascus and here comes Jesus. And the, and the light shines down on him, and then all of a sudden, Jesus is like, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And then, you know, from there, he, he was converted. He accepted Jesus as his personal Savior, and he became a writer of, of, of the, uh, a big part of the New Testament. And, and I thank the Lord for his life, for that conversion in his life. Listen, it don't matter how we get saved. It just matters that we do get saved. And then when we get saved, we read our Bible, we study God's word, we get inspiration from the Lord on how we need to live our life, and then we begin that journey. Amen? I don't know what's on your journey. I know what's in my journey. It's to keep preaching this word, to keep loving people because of Jesus, to keep an open heart and an open mind that God is still in control, Jesus is still saving, and that churches can still get excited about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And I think that's where we need to be in our life. Now, I'm going to take you on a quick journey, John chapter 8. I, I, I love this passage of Scripture. This passage of Scripture excites me when I, when I see it unfolding. And let me tell you where this thought came to my mind. A few months ago, I was eating at the Waffle House with a friend. And, and so we, they bring our food, and I, we bow our head, and, and I pray for my meals uh, always. And so we bowed our head. And I prayed, and I thanked the Lord for the meal, for the time to fellowship with my friend. I said, amen. Well, when I got up, this big old guy was standing over, over my booth. And I looked up, and he said, I want you to know I didn't appreciate that. Well, I said, I want you to know I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> it didn't go good. Well, let me put it like this. He did not buy my breakfast, okay? But, but, but when, when, I, when I saw the reality of that, I thought about uh, John chapter 8 where they, they've caught this woman in adultery. 
The scribes and the Pharisees, their whole goal in life was to, to mess up the ministry of Jesus. Just like, just like our society today, let's destroy uh, those bunch of Christians. Let's do away with the ungodliness in America. Let me tell you something. They can't do it. God's in control. That's not going to change. Hey, hey, do you realize at any given minute, he can just look at Jesus and say, go get to church, amen? Hey, hey, that's us, amen? And he, he, he's God. He can look at that son sitting there and say, go get Eden Westside and bring them home to God be the glory. Aren't you glad you're heaven bound? Aren't you glad you know the rest of the story? Amen. John chapter 8, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives. It's 2,700 feet. He's in the middle of the mountain. She house 2,400 feet. Uh, I ride up there when it snows. Uh, I, like, I like snow and I like seeing the ice. Uh, but when, when he, he's at the Mount of Olives, early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and sat down and taught them. Can you imagine? I'm preaching up a storm. These doors are jerked open. Here come some scribes and some Pharisees, some, some real legalistic people that want to control the atmosphere of your church. They don't want you to applaud. They don't want you to say amen. They want you to be just a stick in the mud sitting in church. Come and be bored to death and then go home and never witness, never share, never love people, never win people to Jesus. That's what our society wants in this world that we live in today. But they, they come into the temple. And Jesus is in there. He's preaching. And they walk into the temple with this, with this woman. She's been called in the very act of adultery. And they, they bring her down to the very feet of Jesus. And they begin the examination. And the scribe, verse 3 said, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, all oh, this profane woman, this ungodly woman, she, she, was, she was caught in the very act of adultery. They bring her in the building. They bring her to the altar. This profane woman, and here's what I love about it, and here's what happens when a sinner comes in here. Uh, they, they walk into this building. They're just, they're just sinners. They don't know any better. That's the life they know. But they come in here and get a little of this Eden dust on them. I mean, you sprinkle it everywhere in this place. It's, it's dangerous to get on any pew in here. You're going you gonna to get some Holy Ghost sprinkled on you. I know this ain't popular for a Southern Baptist preacher, but I still believe in a Holy Ghost anointing in our churches today. Hey, 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 those, those uh, charismatic preachers and all of them, they can't have it all. We got a right to get happy. We got a right to celebrate. We got a right to find joy in serving Jesus. There's joy in my salvation. Amen. So when, when you, here's the key. Now, try not to jump up and run, but here's the key. Profane, adulterous woman, drag her to the feet of Jesus. And I can see her just being over total humility. Profane has just met pardon. <laughs> Y'all just sit there. I'll shout for all of it. They didn't expect this. And they, but they brought her to the feet of Jesus and he's, he, he's the author of pardon of sin. Hey, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Who do we think we are? We're all sinners saved by the amazing grace of God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So they bring her, they put her at the feet of Jesus. I love what he does. <laughs> 
Are you getting this? Say amen. amen. I want you to notice this. They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, boy, they really bow up. We fixing to trick you, Jesus. Notice, notice that fifth verse. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? <laughs> Profane has met pardon. What sayest thou? She's guilty in the act of adultery. Hey, scribe, hey, Pharisee, hey, you judgmental bunch of hypocrites, guilt has now been brought to grace. Amen? Amen. And when I think about that, what did Jesus do? I've tried all my ministry to figure out what he wrote, but the Bible said, they, 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 this they said, tempting him, that they, might have, that they might have to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. <laughs> what do you think he wrote? You bunch of dummies. <laughs> what, what do you think he, he scribbled in that sand? Absolutely. You're forgiven. Now, remember, Profane has met pardon. Guilt has met grace. But can you see her knelt down there in total misery because they've humiliated her. They've exposed her sin. And listen, these ladies that came to this altar this morning, you didn't shame them. You cheered them on. You praised the Lord because they got where they needed to be with the Lord. Hey, she's here. She's in misery. But guess what happens? Misery, misery has now met mercy. Amen. Praise the Lord forever. So we got a profane woman that's met pardon. We, we, got, we, got the, we got this guilty woman that's under an act of grace. Now we've got mis misery that's now come under the joy of mercy and Jesus, uh, he, he knelt down and he probably scribbled thy sins are forgiven. Amen. But I want you to notice what happened. It gets better. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. We started uh, in my ministry, we bought, we bought four houses uh, years ago. And uh, we began investing in these homes. We bought four houses right across the street from our church. And we started a recovery ministry. And the hardest thing I ever did in the 48 years of my ministry, uh, it, it was, it was uh, addiction. Addiction is, is like diabetes. Uh, it's, it's, it's a disease. And boy, and people, people that get on stuff, they struggle. They don't like where sin has taken them. That nobody likes that. Nobody wants to be like that. That's like, that's like struggling with anxiety. We had it in my family, and I'm like, well, you just get down and pray and get over it. It don't work like that. In God's time and through God's love, we can overcome anything, but it has to be real. Amen? And as we struggled through these houses and these people would come in, we'd fall in love with them. They'd get right with the Lord. They'd stay two years and they, they would be totally recovered. But when we, when we would release them, they would bring them from the county jail there in Calhoun County. They'd have on orange coveralls and handcuffs and they'd bring them to our church. We'd take them, put clothes on them. We'd put them in a house. We'd give them shelter for two years. We'd love them because of Jesus. But when they, when they got out, they had nowhere to go. 
And, and I would beg them. I'd say, just stay here at the church. Don't get out in that world. Hey, listen, this, this, is, a, this, this is a soul winning station. Amen? This is where hurting people need to come. But when they come, they need to be loved. They need to be understood. Listen, it's not my place to forgive them. God will forgive them in Jesus' name. It's my place to love them after God has forgiven them. Amen? So we can learn not to be so judgmental. The pro- Listen, I love this church. I've never seen so many talented people. Every time I look, somebody else playing the piano, somebody else playing the guitar, somebody else is singing. Does everybody in here sing? That's amazing to me how God has blessed you with this talent. But, but here, here she is, miserable in this life. Here comes Jesus. See, Jesus had priorities. You know what they were? To seek and to save those that were lost. That was his priority. He came to this world for what? To die for my sins. He had a priority that I would be standing here preaching today because he paid the price for my sin. And then when you finish the scripture, and and then verse eight, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Oh, this is so good. Now, the sinner, the, the profane woman, that is guilty and misery. This sinner has now met the Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? Hold up your hand if you're a Christian. I hope everybody here can raise your hand. But you know what? If you can't raise your hand, you're here tonight to get saved. I'm glad God loves us. I'm glad Jesus died for my sins. And I'm glad the Lord loves me. Now let me ask you a question. Spiritually, where's your priorities? Are they where they need to be? Are you, are, are you where you need to be in your spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ? That's so important in our life. And I want you to, I don't ever want you to forget, tomorrow, it is another day. But we're not promised tomorrow. And I, I truly believe the condition of this world, we're, we're, just, we're, we're just a shout away from the voice of the archangel, from the trump of God. And from the dead in Christ rising, then we which are alive and remain to be caught up together to meet him in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Are you there? If you died tonight, we go to heaven. If you died tonight, we go to heaven. You got a rock pile? That changed my life forever. Just a simple, uneducated country man painted my name on that rock. And for seven years, I went over and picked up that rock and I'd take it to this part and we'd pray. Boy, I was so inspired to start praying and living for Jesus. Where are your priorities? I told you this morning, uh, you're one of the top churches in the very state of Alabama. Number 22. 3,254 churches. You're number 22 in what you do in this church. You, you, need, you need to know God is good and he's real in this place. But here, here's my invitation. Here's my invitation tonight. Spiritually, spiritually. Sometime tomorrow, do you have a plan to... Listen, you know how long it takes to read them chapter in the book of Acts three minutes maybe four that's not long is it 
How long does it take to just get down and lift up your pastor's name? You're the most courteous church I've ever been to. I'm telling you, I've, 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 like I told you, I'm preaching. I'm going everywhere. They call, I go. But I have never been treated like this in my life. I'm coming back next week probably and going to park in a visitor parking lot. <laughs> I'll be looking for you, brother. <clears throat> I, I'm, I stand amazed at, at your desire. Let me, I've never, I have been in churches forever, but you've got a servant's heart in this church. And I, I don't want you to lose that, but I'm going to tell you something. If we don't keep our priorities in touch with God, we'll lose our servant's heart. So don't you let go of what you've got. This is Sunday night. Most churches don't even have church on Sunday night anymore. And here you are. This is a great crowd on Sunday night. You know why? You have a servant's heart. Church, don't let it go. But I'm, I want to give an invitation. Brother, come and let's prepare. And here's, here's, what, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to just think about, okay, I, I need, and, and if you come, you say, well, I'm not going. They'll think I don't read my Bible. And I don't think that. I'm just telling you, we need our priorities in order to be better servants for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Now, if you're lost, you're here to get saved. Always. That's what this church prays for for you. They've prayed all day for you. If you're lost, you're here to get saved. If you're saved, you're here to serve. And you have that heart. But if you just need to come and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to work out some things in my life so I can be a better servant for you. I want to invite you to come. If you're visiting, I promise you, you, you can join this church. They'd love to have you. But I want us all to leave here tonight with the victory of a servant's heart because of our priorities being in the line that they need to be in. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for this precious church and how they love you and how when you pull up in the parking lot, you recognize that love. They're there to serve you. They're there to serve their visitors as they come in. They're there to serve one another. Oh, they love their pastor. They love their staff. And I thank you for this great church that's, that's sitting right here. I thank you that they have such a love for you. And I pray in Jesus' name, as we just take a few minutes to just think about our priorities. Where are we in our relationship with you? Where are we in our, in our Bible time? Where are we in our prayer time? And I pray that no one in this building has gotten so busy they don't have time to pick up your Bible. They don't have time to get on their knee and pray for a lost loved one. I pray we never get that busy as we live in this world. Thank you, Lord, for, for this invitation for this time together, and you bless it with your presence. In the lovely name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Stand with me all over the building. Don't even wait on the singing. Just come on to the altar and ask the Lord to just touch you in a special way this evening. You're so invited. Come on. Sing, my brother. <laughs>